Hello and welcome to Win the Middle. We're about to dive into a conversation that may very well redefine the way you see your next decade. In every stage of life, we encounter changes, challenges and opportunities for growth. But when it comes to midlife, why does it always seem to come with a crisis? And more importantly, how can we make these middle years our best years? My name is Jeff and my co-host Greg and I have come together around a shared passion for personal growth, training and triathlon. Jeff is the Head of Employee Experience and Capability at Macquarie Bank. And Greg is the CEO and co-founder of Education Disruptor Creatable. We're here to pull the curtain back and reveal that midlife isn't an end or a crisis, but a thrilling new chapter, ripe with opportunities for transformation and discovery. So buckle up. It's time to welcome the experience, the wisdom, and the potential of your middle years. Let's win the middle. Alrighty, Jeff. Finding margin, how are you feeling about having this conversation this week? Good timing. <laughs> I'll say that. Uh, there's not a lot of margin. So, uh, anyway, it follows the trend of like trying to follow our nose as to what's in front of us and, and a useful thing to talk about. So, I'm going to enjoy this conversation. It's uh, completely good timing for me. Yeah, it's good. It'd be the conversation we'd have if we were catching up for coffee this week, probably, hey? 100%. All right. Well, we spoke uh, last week about doing an episode on rest and recovery, and we've decided to title this Finding Margin and Framing Rest and Recovery uh, within the context of finding margin or having margin. And so maybe a great question to kick us off is uh, why is margin important? Have you got any thoughts? Yeah, I do. And I guess I've got two slightly different analogies or two slightly different concepts when I have margin and rest in mind. So margin, if I think about it in a business sense, is really the difference between making money and losing money and there's always a sensitive balance between with margin because if it's too high, no one's going to buy it. And if it's too low, you have no capacity for absorbing shocks. So you, you need the right amount of margin to be successful mm. in a business sense. Uh, so I thought that was one analogy or uh, concept of, of looking at things through a business lens. And then rest I thought of it in a sporting context, so completely different analogy and way of looking at it. And in sport, we would say that stress plus rest equals growth. So in the pursuit of growth, you need both stress and rest. Uh, So you can't always be productive. And in fact, uh, steroids actually work on the rest side of the equation. I think people think you take steroids and you get stronger. It's not that that's not really the case it allows you to recover quicker so that you can train more break the muscle down rebuild get stronger so it actually works on the recovery side of things so i thought of margin and rest as two slightly different concepts and they were the i guess a sporting analogy and a business analogy two things that are big in my world as to why it's an important uh part of the equation if you're looking to be successful or to grow. I love that. I hadn't thought about it in the context of the business lens. I really like that, like finding the right amount of margin. Too much can be just as um, detrimental to optimal performance as too little. Um, I think that's super interesting. I almost word for word had your uh, had written down your thoughts on um, – stress and rest. So this is literally word for word what I wrote down before we jumped on the chat. I said, uh, we build capacity through stress and rest. Stress with no rest doesn't grow us. 
it breaks us down. Uh, rest without stress doesn't grow us either. Our capacity entropies without resistance. Uh, so stressed, then rest in cycles is the kicker. Uh, and using training as a metaphor, which is exactly what you just did, recovery is when our muscles get stronger. Uh, rest is actually when my capacity increases. Uh, it requires stress as that stimulus. I need to be broken apart to a degree, but it's in rest and recovery that my capacity enlarges because I can reflect and then adapt accordingly. So the adaptations take place in recovery in mm. our body, but I would say so too in our soul uh, and mind when we're under stress at work. It's, we don't actually just build capacity by being stressed out all the time. It's in the recovery moments that the adaptations occur because we have the time and space to reflect, uh, yeah, then adapt accordingly. So without us previously talking, I had literally thought of very similar language to, um, to talk about why I think margin is important, um, which I think is pretty cool. I also, um, I also had a, a, one other thought, and that is I actually came into this through the pathway of how to best manage overwhelm. Mm. So I've, I've discovered from being overwhelmed a lot that the antidote to overwhelm is no agenda, non-doing time. Mm. And it makes me think of that Chinese proverb, it's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. And what I take from that proverb is that my capacity has to be bigger than what the environment requires of me. If it isn't, I'm going to get overwhelmed because I feel like I lack the skills, the tools, the fitness or the capacity uh, for the job, uh, a.k.a. I feel like a gardener in a war. But being a warrior in a garden is about having a sense of mastery over what the environment or situation around me demands of me. It's about being confident in my capacity, even if I find myself in an environment that I'm not used to or a situation that I'm not used to. Uh, and so I came into, I guess, being passionate about why this is important from getting overwhelmed a lot, particularly in my work. And I think the biggest learning to date that I've had uh, is the antidote to overwhelm is no agenda, non-doing time. And we actually, as we've said, we build our capacity through rest, not stress alone. Cool. So when you're overwhelmed, this is what's interesting for me because this is current, right? I feel full and tipping towards overwhelm and therefore not operating efficiently. The temptation is to continue to try and outwork things to get back on top and reduce the overwhelm. But I also accept that I'm not operating efficiently is your learning that you actually need to create that space to operate more efficiently again to get on, on top of it? Is that part of it? Yes, yes. There's a, there's a saying that I say to myself, and then this, might sound, um, this might sound a little bit religious, but it's not meant to be. Uh, the saying is there's nothing hustle can do that grace can't do better. Hmm. And I think of swimming as an example. Swimming isn't about muscling your way through the water. Sometimes if you want to go faster, you actually have to relax more uh, in your stroke because uh, it's about efficiency and flow and feel, a.k.a. grace, being graceful in the water. And so in my work and in my effort, I'm trying to find a place of 
being effortless in my effort. So yeah, effort. I would define grace as like effortless effort, you know, like that person looks effortless doing something that's really hard, right? So it's not about not putting in effort. It's yeah. it's it's effort, effortless effort. And so sometimes it means, yeah, just taking that spice out of uh, our our effort, like our our ability to um, feel like it's kind of all on us, uh, all on our shoulders. Uh, this is only going to succeed if I if I hustle my way out of this situation, or uh, I, I got to kind of get on the get on the grind every. Like I don't I don't think that works. To be honest, it it just uh, it it just pounds me into a pulp uh but i like working hard and i like uh putting in effort like i respect effort deeply but the goal is to find the goal is to i mean again another saying is um like our significance isn't measured by how much we do but by how much what we do matters and i think it's it's trying to find the things that that matter most uh not just not just spraying bullets into the hills hoping to hit something but being much more curated in our effort uh not doing everything uh sticking to the high value things and actually creating some margin through subtraction because you you don't you don't achieve margin by adding more things to your plate like oh even like oh i need to go for a walk at lunchtime like that's 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 adding something else to do right so margin doesn't usually come from adding it comes from subtracting so it's like what can i take out of my day to create a little bit more time and space, a little bit more no agenda, non-doing, uh, which would al- allow me to be more graceful in my effort or, or uh, allow me to, yeah, not be in that hustle mode but be in that kind of graceful mode, if that at all makes sense. It does. I'll pick up on a few of those notions and extend them. The first one is swimming. So we've been in the pool where you've said to me, just relax. Uh, and, you know, I have uh, swum the same times with less effort. Uh, but I don't think I fully comprehended what it, you meant by that until I saw you write it out in one of your recent posts and it doesn't mean not trying it's almost like there's a uh so you use the word grace or like purposeful it's just not over trying um another to another (laughs) swimming story i recall is i think it was the olympics it might have been emma mckeon after winning a whole bunch of medals, like I heard an interview with her and she said, you know, my coach said to me, if you're in your head, you're dead. Get in your body. And that was saying, don't overthink it. Don't, mm-hmm. um, you know, go with the flow. Trust your instincts and what you've trained for. And that's, again, very swimming uh, related, but you can apply it to any situation where you're feeling overwhelmed and you're trying too hard, oftentimes you are Hmm. in your head and your processes are breaking down. Yeah. Yeah. I think of, um, I think of being at the, like going for a surf uh, to use another, another analogy. If I'm, if, if I'm going to paddle out the back and there's a bit of swell coming in, I'm not going to, I'm not going to try and hustle my way through the, the, the like the sandbar like like where it, it the waves are the biggest they're the dumpiest they're more frequent I'm gonna find the rip I'm gonna paddle out in the rip because 
not only is there a flow of water back out to sea that makes getting out the back easier, uh, there's no way, there's less or no waves breaking in a rip um, because of that flow of water. And I, I still, I still going to get out the back, but it's going to be much more kind of effortless um, in in the way that I in the way that I do that. And so, a good question to ask oneself is where am I, where am I manufacturing energy? Uh, like where, where, where do I feel like I'm paddling against, uh, like just getting hit by wave after wave after wave? Like, like where, where, where does it feel like I'm just putting all of this effort, not really making any progress? Yeah. Where do I feel like I'm having to just manufacture energy around something? Mm -hmm. Uh, and it might be, it might be time to reevaluate uh your approach to those particular things and kind of maybe canvas the landscape of everything that you're doing and going what's happening what am i doing that's happening with a lot more ease uh or what's working kind of almost effortlessly well um where is where is the the where is the water flowing like if i'm where's the rip in my life at the moment where is it where is the energy flowing where is the water flowing and how can I steer my effort more towards that? Uh, yeah, to be maybe vague and conceptual in my response. I like that. I had uh, my brother once said to me when I was maybe stressed one time, he said, you have no margin in your life. <laughs> and he extended that to say, you operate at 120% capacity. When, so when work or someone asks more of you, you have no extra gears. Mm. There's, there's no margin uh, to find. And I thought that was a really interesting and insightful observation. Uh, and it's hard in my head to think about giving anything less than 100%, mm. uh, which is funny when we think about the uh, 30% rule that we discussed in earlier episodes, but it is hard for me to give anything less than 100%, but uh, where I invariably operate is somewhere between 100 and 120% <laughs> and never feel good about going back down to 80% and clawing time back. Yeah. Mm. Well, I can relate. I think it's good because if we if we shift into what's the cost of not finding margin or not having margin, um, I, I have to constantly manage my own drift towards unrelenting standards, like pushing myself beyond the limits of most people makes me feel like I'm different or uncommon, uh, which maybe justifies why I feel lonely, uh, misunderstood and unsupported. Uh, it means that I can make sense of these feelings without feeling rejected. Uh, but here's the trajectory that I am on. If I don't build margin into my days, um, I'll strive for uncommon or high standards in my character, mindset, attitude and routine. Because I expect this of myself, I'll expect it in others. I feel responsible for, like my kids. Uh, I'll avoid what I perceive to be time-wasting activities with others, aka the being moments. Uh, and my high standards for myself will naturally shape my expectations of others. This creates pressure, and my kids will feel it. Uh, and so this all undermines my biggest need being met which is intimacy in my core relationships because who wants to draw near to someone that makes others feel like what they're doing isn't enough mm. and so i go finding margin is mission critical because it helps me avoid that I reflected on the fact that it's a zero-sum game 
So we all have 24 hours in a day. And so if you eat into the margin, you are eating into something else. And Mm. so what does it look like for me just – it it means less time generally – uh, the application of extra time is going to be at work and that means less time at home with the family, uh, less time for training and less time often for sleep. Like, And then it starts to all unravel uh, <laughs> from, from there. And so I would, yeah, say, you know, when I'm getting less than optimal sleep, then I start eating worse then I start training less, then I start feeling less motivated, uh, Mm. then I'm less energized, then I'm, uh, you know, feel worse in my head as well as my body. Uh, So it's a pretty kind of slippery slope when you start um, chewing into the margin and the, the margin is where life is. And I reflected on the simplicity of the old Labor Day uh, eight, 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 eight hours for work, eight hours for rest, eight hours for, or eight hours for sleep and eight hours for play, etc. I was like, wow, that was a really wise, there was some real wisdom in that model. Um, and yet, yeah, I, I doubt many people have that square, square eight, eight, eight anymore. Hmm. Hmm. I think another really great way to think about it is um, where does your superpower grow? And for me, uh, self-awareness is obviously one of my values, but I've always thought uh, that being teachable is my superpower. And because being teachable is a combination of humility and reflection, uh, the margin is where my superpower grows uh, and doesn't grow in the hustle, doesn't grow in the grind. It gets deployed in those things, but it grows in the margin. And I think if we were to reflect, if any of us to, were, were to reflect on what is my superpower or what is my distinctive or, or what, what, what do people really appreciate about me, uh, in terms of the value that I bring or the way that I lead, I think most of us will find that that thing grows in the margin. You know, another thing uh, we talk at work a fair bit about um, brain-based uh, things and one of the times where the big, big brain does its best work, its creative work, is when you're not, Uh, focused and productive and Mm. so I think it would resonate with people that you know it it happens when you wake up in the middle of the night it happens when you're in the shower it happens when you go for a run happens when you go to the bathroom it's when you actually unplug uh, from focus and productivity mode where all those creative breakthroughs happen Uh, and so we can talk about like macro margin, like what does margin and rest look like in a calendar year or a month or a week or a day, but there's also micro margin. Where does it sit throughout the course of the day so that you can have those uh, moments of creativity um, or, um, yeah, as you say, creativity happens in the margin. Mm. Because it makes the work better, right? This isn't just about like doing more. Like a lot of the time, the value that we're bringing to our jobs is about the intelligence of what we propose or the questions that we ask uh, or the, the new opportunities that we uncover or the ideas that we have. And you can't, you can't manufacture that from staring at your screen, just willing it into existence. Uh, It's it's oftentimes these are the the thoughts that pop into your head when you least expect it. So if you think about the fact that you actually get paid 
not for the time that you spend at the office. You get paid for the value that you bring. What do you need or how do you need to optimise your day in order to be best positioned to bring value or create value? Uh, And it, it can't just be focused work all the time. It has to be a combination of deep thinking and wide thinking. It has to be a combination of getting stuff done but also the time and space to wander and think laterally mm. and uncover the surprising solution. Mm. What does um what does margin or rest look like for you, Jeff? So as is my way, I went and tried to find a model to assess this against. <laughs> Mr. Uh, Bank. Mr. Bank. Uh, <laughs> So, and I found this might be fun. I said, found this seven types of, of rest. I thought this might be fun for us to self-set, self-assess against because it's got the seven different categories. Physical, mental, emotional, sensory, spiritual, creative, and social rest. And so we can talk about different types of margins, but I thought they were fun as a start. Uh, I'm going to go through those and self-assess. Physical rest, as far as sleeping, uh, you know, you could say stretching, napping, breath work might fit in there. I think I'm reasonable at that. Like that is one of my non-negotiables is try to make sure that I very rarely get less than seven hours of sleep a night. And that is the case. I, I quite rarely get less than seven. So I, I'm going to mark myself reasonably well on physical. Uh, mental rest might be uh, taking breaks. Uh, so that could be making sure you have time off between days on the weekends, um, um, regular leave, etc. It could be some of the practices like journaling or meditation I think I will give myself like maybe if I was physical rest, I was a, an eight or a nine out of 10. This one, I might be more like a six out of 10. I tend to take a really long break at the end of the year, which again, I've gone and researched that. And there's some research to suggest that this work until you're like just about to keel over and die and then take a really long break just to recover from being overworked is a really, really bad way of doing that rest. And that, uh, the research suggests when you come back from either a short break or a long break, the benefit of that break only takes about, uh, two weeks to dissipate (laughs) when you're back at work. So you may as well like do, do more regular shorter breaks. That's the re- what the research suggests. So I would say I'm a five or five out of five out of ten on that one. Emotional rest. Um, I think that's maybe more about just creating space. And I think for an introvert by nature, and someone who spends, I think I, I think I average about thirty eight meetings a week with people. Like I am very drained. Um, energy-wise from pouring into people through the course of the week. And I need to be very deliberate in getting space there. I think I'll give myself a a three or a four out of ten on that. Sensory, uh, one out of ten. I'm terrible at putting my phone down. That might be a whole other episode for us. Um, I think there's something in that that I want to unpack. But yeah, almost the first, almost the first thing I would do in the morning behind turning the coffee machine on would be check my phone and it'd be right up to the time I go to bed. And I know there's all kinds of issues with that from a, what it's doing to your brain um, and your ability to rest. So terrible at that. Spiritual rest, um, you know, I think, uh, I think this one relatively good. Um, like this would be for a lot of people like a form of, spiritual rest as far as like engaging in something that's for the greater good you know as far as uh community and um church 
um, on the weekend. Um, I feel good about that. So I'll, I'll rate myself reasonably highly on that. I'll give myself an 8 out of 10. Creative rest, writing, painting. This, again, would be another form of creativity, um, doing some of the things for the, the social media. If this, I feel good about that. Like I like the creative work I'm doing at the moment. I'll give myself a 9 out of 10 for that. Uh, social rest, um, maybe this is a bit more of the introvert in me, um, but just balancing that time. So I'm an intimate introvert. I like spending time one-on-one with people I like, big groups, uh, draining for me. Um, but, you know, I feel like I'm getting a good amount of time um, with my mates. I would probably like to spend a bit more time one-on-one with Kylie. Yeah, so, I, you know, that one I'll give myself a seven. But there's seven types of rest and how I'd rate myself. Um, I'd be keen to hear how you rate yourself through those categories. But I also have some um, interesting research that came off the back of that to share, which is from Adam Grant, um, who most people would know, guru. He speaks about two types of recovery, one being a passive rest and the second one being more of a flow state activity, which is active. Uh, And um, both of them can be really effective. So for us and our enjoyment of training, some people might not think of that as rest because it's active, but it can be actually a flow state activity. The same way someone who loves cooking um, might find that a flow activity even though it's quite active so that can be rejuvenating if it's a flow activity for people um, to recover Um, Mm. in the same research uh, he looked at organizations that mandated rest and to make sure that was for enjoyment as much as just pure recovery and one organization took a full year off every seven years like almost like a um, jubilee a, a jubilee year and then this uh this other guy was like well i couldn't take a whole year off every seven years but he mandated one week off in every seven weeks for everyone this is um startup and that was where some of the insight around there being a lot of benefit um from shorter breaks and that you lose the benefit of the breaks after two weeks being back at work so just that constantly recharging um, and they're finding good things from that experiment, which is really interesting. Yeah. How do you rate yourself against the seven types of rest? Oh, this is going to be good. I've got a few things to to say in response to what you've just shared. Uh, I I loved listening to all of that. I'll do a quick little audit on the seven areas. Uh, I reckon physical rest for me, I'd give myself a three out of 10. So if this is the amount of training that I'm doing versus the amount of sleep that I'm getting, I can improve. Uh, The mental side of things, I'll give myself an eight out of 10. I'm doing some things at the moment that is actually awesome and really working for me in terms of just giving me headspace. Uh, So that's, I'll share a few of those in a bit. Emotional, which I would call maybe the space to feel, uh, I'd give myself a 6 out of 10. Sensory rest, uh, 4 out of 10. Uh, again, it's very hard to put down the phone. Uh, however, there are few key moments in the day that I do and they're super beneficial. The spiritual side, which I would just maybe define as like a sense of connectedness that I feel to life, Uh, maybe if I'm honest, maybe four out of 10 at the moment. Uh, Creative side, I would give myself a six out of 10. Uh, I'm normally uh, quite like uh, how much I'm maybe playing the piano or the guitar or writing songs is a good measure for me in terms of how I'm going on, on this front. And so um, it's, it's, a, it's, it's not, not as much as it has been in the past. So, yeah, six out of ten. 
And the social side, I'd, I'd say up towards eight out of 10. I think my relationships are a lot richer now than they have been uh, in the past. So that feels pretty good. Uh, the, the activities, um, like again, this was a phrase that, that you said to me and I'm, I'm owning it, uh, that time you enjoy wasting is not wasted time. Mm-hmm. And there's a few things that I've, that I've been doing that are really working for me. Um, I love laying in the sun. I mean, like, like full sun baking, like, like, like I've got to feel the sun on my actual skin. Uh, I love it because I don't listen to music. I don't have my phone anywhere near me. I just love it. It warms me up. I just, the vitamin D from the sun, like everything about it, I just love. And I just lay there. And there's, there's, there's nothing that is expected of me in that moment. And it's really, I just appreciate it so much. So that as an activity really works. And even if it's just 10, 15 minutes, like it doesn't have to be long. Hmm. And so I find myself trying to steal moments often where I can do that now and it's working. Um, surfing is another active rest uh, activity for me, like a flow state thing. Uh, it's not something that I would consider exercise. It's just something that I enjoy doing. I don't haven't been doing that as often as I'd like, but my, the plan is this summer that I'll um, jump back into it a bit more. Uh, the other thing too is um, we've reorganised our house a little bit so that we've got like an outdoor kind of table and chairs now on our front porch, which kind of overlooks the Port Hacking River and the National Park on the other side. So it's a nice little view. And so for me, like sitting on the porch with a zero alcohol beer, uh, with my acoustic guitar, having a little kind of tinker, that's something that I really like to do. Yeah, nice. Again, I haven't been doing that very often, but I would say that that is time I enjoy wasting. It's interesting for me. The other thing that I've started doing is at night, uh, I do 20 or so minutes of stretching, uh, usually before I put the kids to bed uh, up in the got a, sort of the TV room, which is other end of the house. I put on a, a meditation playlist on like, like meditation type music playlist on Spotify. And then I just, I've got like a stretch band and I just stretch for 20 minutes and just really, yeah, just open up the body. And I've really been enjoying that. Again, just it it places me in my body a bit more, which is really nice. The interesting thing for me is that I, I think that for a lot of my rest time or rest activity, I do enjoy being by myself. I feel like I probably need to be alone in order to do it. I'm like an introvert, not an extrovert. I I get my energy or I refill my tank uh, being on my own. Uh, Being with people is an energy out sort of activity for me. So it's hard to feel like I'm resting in social situations. So just clocking that for me, uh, recovery and rest and finding margin is, is, is often a solo thing. And so I need to just sort of, yeah, be able to find those moments in the day. But that that's some stuff that I do that works for me personally. Um, and one, one other thing that I'll say is in relation to the um, have fewer shorter breaks throughout the year. Uh, when I was down in working down in Melbourne, I, um, I, I tried to sort of work that approach, like work through the year and, and, and try and take that big four-week block off, you know, over Christmas, January. Like if I could just get through the year, I, I'll take a big chunk of time off over Christmas. And every year for three years straight, I got hospitalised in October with pneumonia. Mm-hmm. Every year. It, I just, it's like I couldn't get, I couldn't, I couldn't run the race. I couldn't get to the end of the year going at that pace without having a break. And I'm in a situation now where I work full time, my wife works full time. And so when we hit school holidays, 
we've got the kids at home and we can't like we, we sort of have to juggle that and so we both find ourselves tag teaming through the year taking weeks off here and there during the school holidays to to just sort of be with the kids and so I'm not really having that block of time off ever but I'm having much more frequent shorter shorter breaks and that's actually working really well for me uh, it's yeah I, I don't it, I, I, I seem to be coping a lot better than I than I did when I was uh, when I was trying to reward myself at the end of the year from from working really hard with a with a big chunk of time off. So experientially, uh, the the more frequent breaks, more frequent shorter breaks, uh, seems to be working really well for me. It's interesting when the N equals one experience of your own matches up with the research. It's not surprising. Mm. I mean, I, I was, I would typically have found the same thing. I would get to Christmas and it was almost like the body goes, Oh, time for a break. Sweet. I'll take a break too. And first week of holidays crook, just, you know, like survival year, fend off sickness all year and then have a break and just fall in a heap so yeah i think there is something in it for sure and to go back to your examples of recharging there's a couple of learns in there i reckon uh one is the self-awareness of what works for you and your personality and who you are and then the second thing is less of a learning but just more of a reflection I think you might have taken a you might have told me that you like just went down the beach and laid on the beach and I was like, "Oh man, that sounds like heaven." Cuz I have not done that in the longest time and yeah, just sitting there with no agenda, feeling the sun on your skin. I must get that into my uh schedule somewhere cuz yeah, that just sounded like perfection to me. One of the things that we used to do pre-children was go to the movies quite often and that was just pure escapism for me. I found it was like the only place where my brain would turn off. So I do wonder what would happen if I went down the beach and just lay on the beach with no phone around me and whatnot, what would happen to my brain? (laughs) Maybe I'd have a thousand ideas. Maybe it would just be like rested. I don't know. I should try. That's the only way to find out. I need to try. Have you got any other sort of learnings around, you know, from this journey of like trying to find margin and or, or lose it because uh, it is a bit of a roller coaster uh, and we ebb and flow on this. Have you got any sort of other learnings here? Because uh, I've got a, a, another few that I'd share, but I thought maybe we could maybe tic-tac on some. No, I don't. I would love to hear them. Okay. I heard it once said that the creature within a system that demonstrates the greatest behavioral flexibility will go on to dominate that system. Hmm. And what I've noticed is that margin creates space for reflection and reflection empowers self-awareness and adaptability. So if the goal is to become adaptable people in work, in life, and that adaptability or behavioral flexibility actually helps us rise, then margin is is really, margin helps us cultivate adaptability. And I think adaptability, particularly in these times, is is a really important skill. I think there's um, there's another real learning here around like for me like being Greg versus doing Greg. So my family system is highly scheduled with a significant cultural emphasis on consistency and follow through. 
And I know that for me personally, I have a real resistance to kind of letting go of my own personal routine. I think mm. it acts as a bit of an, an anchor for me. It, it tethers me to something predictable in the midst of high uncertainty. And so everything that I do is productive. Uh, I, I'm changing that at the moment, but, but there was a, a time even a few months ago where I had no real time where I turned off. Uh, mm. All of my interactions with the kids were doing, were doing moments, not being moments. And um, I think, you know, to reflect on why I'm like this, um, it's really important to me not to be perceived as lazy or useless, you know. Like I, I think my, my right to exist is somehow connected to me doing or to my doing. Uh, and so I've had to really kind of lean into this question, who am I when I'm not doing? Like if who I am is what I do, who am I when I'm not doing it? So, so who is Greg when he's not doing stuff? And, and, and really come to uh, a, a sense of awareness around that. And so I've actually def answered that question for myself. Um, who, who am I when I'm not doing? And I really like the definition and I found it really helpful kind of going through that process. So I'll share it. Go. Yeah. And actually I'll, sh I'll share how I came up with it. So I actually thought, I found it really hard to answer. And then I thought, where in my life am I not, am I not being measured by what I do or produce or achieve? And I actually placed myself in the therapy chair because in that chair, it's just me. I'm just Greg. Uh, I can't win. I can't win therapy, right? Like it's not something you can win. Like demonstrating awesome insight and self-awareness isn't going to impress anyone. Like it's, it's, it's just me learning about me. So I actually placed myself in that little room in the therapy chair and I'm like, who am I in this chair? And I, I answered that question with I'm self-aware reflective and teachable and I can lean into uncomfortable emotions conversations and decisions with humility curiosity and courage and so who is Greg when he's not doing stuff he's self-aware reflective and teachable and he leans into uncomfortable emotions conversations and decisions with humility curiosity and courage and I was like, oh, I like that. I like that guy. Like, <laughs> if, if I can be that, if I can be that, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. I actually don't need to accomplish anything else in my life. I don't need to achieve anything else. If I can every day be that, be that person. Mm -hmm. uh, and so um, I, think, I think defining being Jeff uh, versus doing Jeff mm -hmm. is a really interesting exercise. Uh, and actually just putting a sentence around that. Before I jump onto the next one, have you have you got any reflections on that? Um, taking it as homework uh, okay. because I don't feel like I would do it justice. I'd be rambling at this point. So let cool. me cut uh, episode 12 homework. Yep. Great. And then I think maybe my last lesson is just this idea. I, I sort of said it before. Uh, that that we actually create margin through subtraction, not addition. So it's about removing things to do, not adding things to do. So I would say our tendency is going to say go for a surf or uh, start meditating or, you know, like we're actually just adding them. So before we get to adding any activities, think about what we can remove from our schedule or our day. I mean, this is a pretty hard hitting thing, but um, Tim Grover, who was Michael Jordan's uh, performance coach, he said, um, if, you, if you don't have time for the things that matter, stop doing the things that don't. 
And he said that no is a complete sentence. <laughs> it's okay to say no and, and not have to justify why we've said no. And so I think learning to say no and, 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 and learning to subtract things that don't matter, I think help us uh, create margin through subtraction. I love that. No is a complete sentence. That's getting, yeah. a, run. That's getting a run on Instagram this <laughs> week. Yeah. You can thank Tim Grover for that. Well, maybe I need to uh, have that as my second piece of homework too, is to just say no a few times and not say anything behind it. Say oh. no and don't give a reason. That's going to be difficult. Okay. To use another tri- triathlon or running analogy, if, if we run hard at the wrong times, we won't be able to run hard at the right times. Mm. And so I'm all for running hard and running hard at the right moments. And there will be moments throughout a year where we have to overinvest because that's what's required. But there are also times in the year where we don't have to do that. There are lulls in the, in the, in the set, you know, like there are times when the waves aren't coming in with as much frequency and we actually can give ourselves a bit of a chance to sort of recoup and recover before the next set comes. And so I think understanding the moment that you're in, the season that you're in, and going, is this a time to be running hard or is, or is this a time to be taking the foot off the accelerator because that will allow me to be more sustainable with my effort over the longer term? Mm. I think that's a good way to close. We hope today's conversation has provided you with some food for thought and a new perspective on how to make these middle years your best years. Remembering that midlife is not about crisis, it's about growth, transformation, and embracing the strength that comes from experience. Win the middle.